The following talk was recorded live March 23rd, 2022 in Dublin at the Social Fund Raising Summit, powered by GivePanel. Hello, everyone. Before I get started, I used to be a second grade teacher, so bear with me. I want everyone to stand up, if you can, stand up. And we're going to do 10 seconds of body movement. Any body movement, it could be dancing, it could be wiggling, and I'm going to count it down from 10, okay? All right, go. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2. Great, sit down. So the reason we do that is you were just talking, and so your brain is still thinking about all of the social stuff, and that was a really good way to get all the kids back in school super focused. So also going into this, I want to say there's a slight chance I may go off on some tangents that were unplanned today. If you follow me on social media, or LinkedIn, you know that I was recently diagnosed with ADHD and I did not take my medication when packing and therefore did not pack my medication. So we'll see how today goes. And with that, hello and welcome to my session on how to get into the game, video games that is. My name is Alyssa Sweetman, pronouns she, her, and I'll be your in-game guide, so to speak, on the history of gaming for good. As Nick so graciously shared, I was the director of social impact at Twitch for two years, but was at Twitch for a total of five years. And I'm now at a marketing services agency that focuses on gaming called Player2, how apt. And so today, I wanna give you a little history of myself before we get started. I started playing with video games basically the moment I came out. My dad was so thrilled with technology. He was one of those people that computers were gonna be big. We had a home computer. Video games are big. Played Diablo, World of Warcraft, Sega, Sega CD. Always in the arcade. There was a nickel arcade not far from our house. He absolutely adored video games. And so did I. Now, my personal journey into gaming for good actually started in college. I'm not a big multiplayer game person. I like to go on my journeys, my tangents, discover the map, and then I get bored after the game for 30 minutes and go find a new game. Not really conducive for online gaming or communities, but a friend of mine at the time thought I would be a fantastic Twitch streamer, given my bubbly and charming personality. And he was right for about three months until I found charity streaming. Discovered a group on the internet that was creating a safe space for military veterans and civilians to play video games together and get reintegrated. Really cool, but they also did charity streaming. Now that was exciting. You told me as a college student, I could sit on my bum, play video games and raise money for causes that I cared about. Sold, I needed nothing else. Now at the time, there wasn't a lot of information about stuff. And if you know anything about folks with ADHD, they get excited about something and it becomes their whole world. Well, since then it has been my whole world for about seven years, coming up on seven years actually in April. And there wasn't a lot of information around gaming for good or charity live streaming. It wasn't really done with legal in mind or any of those things. There just weren't resources. Very much wild, wild west. So I got very into it. And through college, I advised nonprofits on how to work with gaming. And after graduating college, I was a second grade teacher for a year before Twitch reached out to me and recruited me to join and expand their charity partnerships and social impact programs. Now, when I was a teacher, 
every Monday we'd come in and all the second grade teachers would huddle together. And they would be like, what did you do for the weekend? And I would be like, oh, I raised $3,000 for XYZ charity playing video games. And they were like, that's cool. Okay, I guess. They didn't really get it. And so when I went to leave, our lead teacher said, you know, I don't really understand why you would leave teaching to go do something in the video game industry. Aren't they lazy? Like, they don't have any money. They don't do good for the world. And she had a very specific idea. The guy that lives in her mom's basement, never gets off his computer, maybe doesn't take care of himself, maybe surrounded by bags of chips and soda cans. And so that was an idea that many people have for what a gamer is. And so I think this is a really, really fantastic place to start our journey, where we're gonna play a game called Everyone is Secretly a Gamer. So the way this is gonna work, you can raise your hand or stand. I'm gonna list off a bunch of games. And if you've played them, even just once, you're gonna stand or raise your hand and stay standing until you get done, okay? Pac-Man, Tetris, Galaga, Space Invaders. Keep standing, keep standing. Sonic the Hedgehog, Mario, or Jumpman, Snake on your phone, Candy Crush, Farmville, Clash of Clans. Almost everyone's already standing. That's pretty awesome. We have Fortnite, Pokemon Go, Wordle. Everyone should be standing. Now everyone look at each other. This is what a gamer looks like. Thank you for playing. Welcome, gamers. Have a seat. All right, so I want to take a moment to talk about that demonstration is to really help you understand how many people play video games and who a gamer is. First off, there are 3 billion gamers in the world. 40% of the world's population. That's a really big chunk of folks. And we already talked about what some folks might think that looks like. And to that point, a lot of folks think that gamers don't have spending power. So before we dive into that, let's talk about the $2.2 trillion Anyone know what that number is? No? It's the total global entertainment industry's revenue from 2021. So that includes the box office, movies, books, publishing, and of course, video games. Now, I think it's important to say that from 2020 to 2021, there was a 14.4% increase in revenue. Last year's video game revenue was 178 billion point seven three. Huge number, massive. 10 years ago, that number was 70.6 billion. That's a $100 billion increase in 10 years. And 2020 was the fastest growing year for the video game industry because of COVID. So how does this tie into gaming for good? We're gonna talk about some early examples of charity live streams. And these actually predate the existence of Twitch. And they used a service called Ustream, which no longer exists anymore. In 2007, Desert Bus kicked off with their very first live stream fundraiser, and they only raised $22,000. It's pretty good for 2007, but they've raised $7 million 
excuse me, words, seven million um, for charity since. In 2009, Zeldathon kicked off their event series raising $301, 301, and they've raised over three million for charity to date. Now one, raise your hand if you've heard of Games Done Quick. Oh, okay, that's actually kind of shocking. They're one of the most covered fundraising events in the gaming industry starting in 2010. They raised $10,000 on their first event and they've raised $34 million to charity to date. And each year, more and more live streaming charity events kick off and the audience grows and so does their fundraising power. In Europe, we have the European Speedrunner Assembly or ESA. And for their first event, they raised 2,500 euros and they kicked off in 2012. And to date, they've raised about 650,000 euros. In December of 2011, Cast, a YouTube gaming group, hosted videos for a month long doing a fundraiser raising about $100,000. And to date, they've raised over 25 million. In 2016, there is a French partner who launched an event, Zerator, the event's called The Event, started with 150,000 euros, 21 million euros to date. It is the largest gaming fundraiser in the world. Now, if you're feeling really excited about the possibility of gaming, I want to do me a favor and clap twice. Ready? Go. Thank you. All right, so those are just a handful of events focused on gamers that create content. And the one thing that all of these things have in common is their community. They're led by the community, they're built by the community, and they get people excited so much so that their fundraising power grows each and every year. Now, many nonprofits, when they think of the gaming community, they've often heard of one of these groups, and they immediately go target those groups. Fundraise for my organization. These groups have been around for a long time. They know exactly who they want to fundraise for. So when they don't, when nonprofits either don't get a response or get told no thank you, they're very confused as to where to get started because they think that that is the starting point. But you should know the average individual fundraiser raises about $2,500 or just about 2,000 euros. And so to understand that potential, I want you to think about the fact there are 8 million unique influencers on Twitch alone. Around 70% of them are probably gaming. And there's 40 million active gaming YouTube channels. So if your organization targets 100 folks that raise 2,000 euros each, that is quite a significant amount of money. And if they have a fun time fundraising for your organization, and they like your organization, and they like the connection they made with you, they'll do it again. And when they do it again, it'll be more because ideally their audience has grown and therefore so has their fundraising power. During my five years at Twitch, this is not the total the entire Twitch community has done, but this is just during my time at Twitch, the Twitch community raised over $300 million for charity. For some context, the very first year I was there, it was $34 million that year. And that was from 2017 to 2021. So the next thing we're going to talk about is some considerations. Working with gaming influencers does come with some major considerations that your organization may struggle with. The first one is your relationship is not with the donor. It is with the person who is doing the fundraising. The reason for this is because if they cared about your organization, your cause, your mission, they have Google, they have access to go donate. What's the difference there? The influencer. So you want to make sure that building strong relationships 
with the folks that have the ability to mobilize for you. They can become your ambassadors. They can just become really active participants in your online fundraising community. And the other thing is, as we talked about some of those groups earlier, starting with $300 fundraising to having raised millions. So thinking about influencers of all sizes, they all have value to your organization because as they grow, so does their fundraising. Now to get started, one of the things to think about is making sure you sign up on a service that has tools for folks to fundraise. That's Just Giving. They have some tools, so I don't know if they're still working or expanding on them. I haven't seen any updates recently. Better Place in Germany. But more specifically, there's two global ones that are free to sign up and significant number of gamers use them. It's Tiltify and Streamlabs Charity. Now, many of you are thinking to your leadership or the board of directors, how do you get them on board? Primarily, you might be thinking, well, what about violent games? And don't they cause violence? And what about what they say when they're live streaming? And who knows where that could go? Have you seen Grand Theft Auto? So I'm gonna use a really extreme example here. And that's that when someone does a Facebook fundraiser for you, you're not really thinking about how those folks align with your brand values. You're not looking at what they've reshared, commented, or tweeted before allowing them to fundraise. We know what gets said on Facebook. There are thousands upon thousands of articles for it. If your organization can feel comfortable knowing that people are actively saying those things and then posting their fundraiser and their brand to their Facebook pages, your organization can also feel comfortable with a random person playing a video game and fundraising for your organization because it is not different. Now that doesn't mean to say that you're gonna partner with every influencer or make them a brand ambassador or promote them. You still align with them with your brand's organizations, but you give them the opportunity. And if you get a bunch of money out of it, you can just say, oh, thank you for the donation. And then that's, that's it, move on. Just as if you would a problematic celebrity give you a bunch of money. Now gaming influencers are just one avenue into the gaming market. If you followed any of Fortnite's events you've seen, They've had little movies, concerts, special events, it's super cool. And the next thing we're gonna talk about is, in 2018, Blizzard did an in-game activation for the Breast Cancer Research Foundation, and they partnered together at the height of Overwatch popularity, did a two-week campaign selling a Mercy skin, raising over 12 million in two weeks. Now, from what I understand from talking to the folks involved, nobody thought it was gonna do a million. So this was really shocking, and if you've noticed, Blizzard hasn't done another one of these activations since. I think they were a little shocked having to write that big of a check, maybe give them carpal tunnel. Now, some things I want to point out, lightning in a bottle, very popular game. The Blizzard itself is worth $70 billion, so it's a really, really big game. So I want you to like temper your expectations, and we'll talk about that in a second. Next, I want to talk about the Riot Social Impact Fund. They launched it in 2020, and in 2020 and 2021, they combined raised 13 million for charity through various in-game activations. But fun thing here is the vast majority of League of Legends players are actually men 18 to 24. And a really fun fact about that is that that's the group that spends the most amount of money in games. In 2019, Fortnite users spent an average of $82 on microtransactions. Fortnite's a free game. What are they spending money on? So they spent, the average video game for a AAA video game is around 60 USD, right? They spent $22 more than the cost of a video game that was free. Now, the big thing to think about here is that they targeted gamers very broadly. It wasn't just gaming influencers. Now, tempering expectations. 
Lightning in a Bottle moment with Blizzard. Both Blizzard and Riot are massive. League of Legends has about 110 million players globally and a really dedicated fan base. Both groups are highly into collectibles. Everything they put out, they're very excited. This is not gonna work with every single game developer. And Riot's so popular, they have a global esports event. I think Imagine Dragons has performed there. Like it's, it's huge. I learned recently that in Korea, they actually plan it, like Riot plans it around a, a national holiday so that folks in Korea can go and attend and watch and have a big day of it. And if you haven't watched Arcane on Netflix, it is the animated show put out by Riot around League of Legends. It doesn't have much to do with the game apparently, but it's very beautiful and highly recommend. It is not a kid's show. Before reaching out to a developer and saying, hey, let's do an activation, put us in your game. It takes at least six months from the first start of the conversation to go live, but it mostly takes about 18 months to two years. It is a very long process. They have to develop it. There's lots of agreements that go back and forth. And those conversations can happen all the way up for two years for it not to go live. So I want you to, it's a very difficult process. Now I'd be remiss not to talk about what's going on today. So in rare cases, and the reason I wanna say rare is that we have events across the world every day that need someone to support them. However, very small number of them bubble up to the top of media and have a bunch of people support them. In 2017, we had a huge clash of disasters, a tsunami, a gaggle of hurricanes, some earthquakes, and the Twitch community rallied together to raise around 2 million USD for those disaster efforts. In 2020, and I can't believe all three of these things happened in the same year, we had the Australian wildfires, COVID and Black Lives Matter raising around 30 million just for those three things. And this year, we're watching the desecration and invasion of a nation and people, and most of the world has not stood by silently, and the gaming community certainly has not. They have raised over $64 million since the evasion has started. This includes charity streams, game developer bundles, and in-game donations. And if you've been paying attention to the news, you saw that Fortnite had a 24-hour boom of $36 million in 24 hours. It's massive. So $64 million is kind of encompassing of everything in the video game industry. But this is not normal, right? This doesn't happen regularly. This is a very mobilizing moment. And I think the point here is each and every time disaster strikes, gamers and influencers are like, where do we fundraise? Who's doing what, where? And charities can't communicate fast enough. The ones responding are often not on fundraising services. And so they're in the moment of trying to handle a crisis and trying to figure out how to get this influx of donations. And then you get situations where people take advantage of that and they're like, hey, send me the money and then I'll send it to the charity. Most of the time it makes it that way, but it does create a little bit of a liability situation for both you and the folks that want to support you. Now, so far, we've only discussed video games that are big on desktop computers. However, 51% of mobile of games are played on mobile and tablets, 28% on consoles, and 22 on desktop PCs. Now, this is kind of, you're probably thinking, wow, mobile, like, why is that important to me? So we talked about how Fortnite users spend about $82 on average if they're spending money in game. 85% of the entire industry's revenue comes from free to play and mobile games. Now I wanna talk about a big misconception here 
that video games are just for men. At the end of that, everybody was standing. Take a moment to look around the room. This room is very diverse. There's lots of folks here. And it's important to know, women gamers make up 45% of the world's gaming population. There was a really great expose done by Polygon in 2013 called No Girls Allowed. Highly recommend Googling it. It's very long, but it's a very fantastic read that talks about how that at the time, marketing really believes to be successful, you had to target one demographic. And so thus, we have the idea that video games and certain types of video games are only for little boys. Now, shifting seconds here to look at esports, which is not the official name of gaming according to the Daily Mail. The esports market is valued at just a billion dollars. Out of the 178 billion dollars, esports is one billion. Very small, very tiny fraction, and everyone is up for grabs. Very wild west, it's not regulated. And so it's very important for you to hear this. Esports events are not effective fundraisers. Let me say that one more time. Esports events are not effective fundraisers. You might have seen esports events that have a nonprofit element. Usually it's awareness or somebody underwriting a predetermined donation. But have you ever been to a sporting event? Are you really going to pay attention to what the announcers are saying about a charity that needs to be donated while you're worried if your team's going to score? If you're going to walk out of the... No, your emotions are not tied up into doing something good. They're like raging with like, my team better win. So in the same way that like you wouldn't sit at a football team uh, during a football game, pull out your phone and say, oh yes, I'm going to make a $10 donation to what was that organization again? They're not going to do it during any sports event. Esports events are extremely costly, take a lot of effort and time to put on, and because anyone can put one on, because it's not regulated, you'll have a bunch of people put them on and no one will even watch. There is no indicator outside of extremely successful teams and players that it will even garner enough viewership to put in the effort. But there are other ways into the gaming industry that are probably a little bit easier for you to wrap your head around given your structures today. So we talked about gaming influencers, game makers, publishers, esports, but there's two more avenues. The first is adjacent related companies getting involved in their corporate social programs, doing uh, co-venture agreements, or your existing corporate partners. There's a really big chance your existing corporate partners are trying to figure out how to get into gaming and digital, but they haven't figured it out. You could help them do that. And as Web3 and NFTs expand, you can expect to see Web3 games, play to earn, crypto, NFT games, they're already popping up all over to connect with potential new donors. So some takeaways. Gamers make up 40% of the world's population. It's a massive industry that grows exponentially every year. And gamers are men, women, old, young, parents, college students, kids, and nearly all gamers have spending power. Gaming is viable. And it's going to connect you to new and young gamers. The last report I read on the average age of the donor, the global age, was 65. It's time for organizations to become more flexible in how they approach new donors. Otherwise, they're going to struggle to get their mission out there, raise funds, and they may even go the way of the dinosaur. That's for you, Nick. We talked about why it's important to consider gaming for your organization. And to get started, you're going to need three things. Get on a fundraising service. Tiltify Streamlabs, they're both free. Gamers use them. They may not have everything you need that your traditional run-walk programs do, 
But if you're not there and you're in the middle of a crisis or you have a big event coming up, you may find it really hard to get your organization on them at those times. Create an influencer kit, much like a brand kit, but a little bit easier to read, not super thick, more succinct. Remember, they've got to be able to parrot this information back in, in between 360 no scopes and reading chat and doing whatever silly incentives they have. And the last thing is tell your supporters. As you saw, almost everyone is a gamer and gaming influencers are the number one followed influencers in the world. So chances are you're going to tell your supporters and they are a gaming influencer or they know a gaming influencer. And so by bringing those two worlds together, you'll find that they're already there.